Hey everyone, this is Sandy Todd Webster, Ideas Editor-in-Chief. Welcome back to a new episode of Ideas Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only audible CEC program. If this is your first time listening, here's how it works. In this episode, I'm going to read you 26 evidence-based news stories that will bring you up to date on fitness trends, exercise research, and the dynamic fields of diet, food, nutrition, and behavior change science. This episode contains information that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 approval agencies, including ACE, NASM, AFA, ACSM, NSCA, and NFPT. In order to claim your CEC, you will need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the Idea Store. Look for the link to the quiz in the show notes. To thank you for listening, at the end of the episode, I will provide you with a coupon code to get 20% off the quiz. Research has shown that physical activity increases comprehension. So whether you're out for a run, working out, or just doing the dishes, we encourage you to move while you listen and learn. Let's get started. First, I will read 12 articles from our headlines news section that were researched by our colleague and award-winning contributing editor, Shirley Archer. These were originally published in the June 2020 Sprint edition of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Exercise May Minimize COVID-19 Complications Amid the news related to the current coronavirus crisis comes some promising research. Regular exercise may help reduce the risk of developing acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS, a critical COVID-19 complication. The review findings from the University of Virginia School of Medicine have the potential to influence COVID-19 treatment and recovery since an estimated 20 to 42% of hospitalized patients will develop ARDS, according to the CDC. The focus of the study was an antioxidant known as extracellular superoxide dismutase, or exod, which destroys harmful free radicals, protects bodily tissues, and helps prevent disease. Exod is naturally secreted by muscles, but its production is enhanced by cardiovascular exercise. Research suggests that even a single movement bout increases exod production, underscoring the importance of exercise during social distancing to mobilize the body's natural defenses. The review is published in the scientific journal Redox Biology. Article 2, Stepping and Weight Loss. Many people are sharing daily step counts, often with the hopes of meeting weight loss goals. And the proliferation of activity trackers and apps makes it easier to do this. New research shows that while increasing steps to 4,400 steps per day enhances longevity and walking more does have numerous health benefits, additional steps without increasing intensity or changing other lifestyle habits may not lead to weight loss. Brigham Young University researchers conducted the step count and weight loss study among 92 female freshman college students over 24 weeks. Participants were randomly assigned to take 10,000, 
12,500 or 15,000 daily steps, which were monitored biweekly. Investigators gathered data on body weight and body composition at the outset and after six months. Data analysis showed no difference in weight gain or in fat weight among members of any group. Study authors concluded that walking more than 10,000 steps per day does not prevent weight or fat gain during the first year of college. More research is recommended to examine changes in exercise intensity or dietary changes to meet weight loss goals. The study is available in the Journal of Obesity. Article 3, New Music and Exercise Research Findings. New details on how best to use music to enhance training have emerged. Fast tempo music, between 170 and 190 beats per minute, is most beneficial for endurance exercise, according to findings published in Frontiers in Psychology. Researchers compared no music, slow, medium, and fast tempo music to endurance exercise, resistance training, and high-intensity exercise bouts with female participants between ages 24 to 31 years. Data analysis showed that fast tempo music reduced rates of perceived exertion in all situations. However, the most significant effect was for endurance exercise, or in the case of this study, walking. Why is this? The researchers hypothesize that endurance exercise is more sensitive to external stimuli due to the combination of mental fatigue and perceived effort. In contrast, high-intensity training is shorter in duration and characterized by an all-out approach that requires fewer decision-making processes. Article 4, Fun Summer Fact. The phrase, the dog days of summer, doesn't refer to an actual dog. It originates from ancient Greek and Roman astronomers who considered the constellation Canis Major to represent a dog chasing the constellation Lepus, a hare. The star that represents the dog's nose is named Sirius. Early astronomers noted that Sirius seemed to rise just before the sun during the hottest weeks of the year, late July to August, and was associated with a time that could bring fever or catastrophe, referring to these days as the dog days of summer. Article 5. 60-second hit beats 30-second hit. Next time you hear groans as you call out the start of an interval, remind everyone that recovery breaks that are too long undermine the effectiveness of high-intensity interval training. Liverpool John Moores University researchers in England compared fitness outcomes for participants in a 60-hit protocol, which is 6 to 10, 60-second intervals with 60 seconds of rest, with those in a 30-hit protocol, which is 4 to 8, 30-second intervals with 120 seconds of rest. Subjects included 26 previously inactive adult men and women. Participants performed either one of the two protocols for six weeks, three times a week. Investigators measured aerobic capacity, arterial stiffness, and body composition. Data analysis showed changes for aerobic capacity in the 60-hit group members, but not for the 30-hit. No differences occurred on any parameters for 30-hit. The study was presented at the Physiological Society Conference, Future Physiology 2019.
Article 6. Kids Thrive in Nature Many adults have fond memories of meandering in meadows or weaving through local forests when they were children. It turns out that playing in nature positively impacts physical and mental development for children. A recent survey of 16 studies with a total of 711 healthy children ages 2 to 12 from various locations worldwide supports this. University of South Australia researchers in Adelaide conducted the survey to evaluate evidence that might support the claim that playing in nature benefits child health and development. Concerns are arising as, anecdotally, fewer children worldwide are playing outdoors and instead choosing to play with electronic devices inside the confines of a house. Nature play is defined as unstructured nature-based activity in environments with elements such as plants, rocks, mud, sand, gardens, forest, and ponds or water. Study authors concluded that nature play provides multiple physical conditioning benefits and is even more beneficial for cognitive development, as it allows imaginative play. Nature play also improves learning and social and emotional development. It may also help children's level of attention and concentration and constructive social and functional play. More research is recommended to provide guidelines for optimal nature play spaces. The study is available in PLOS One. Article 7. Strength Training. Should you mix it up? Are you wondering whether you should stick with a resistance training program of fixed exercises and repetition ranges for every training session, or whether it may be better to mix up exercises and rep ranges each session? New research published in PLOS One shows that varying exercise selection not only increased motivation to train, but also produced equivalent improvements in muscular adaptations. Researchers compared the two training methods on 19 healthy resistance-trained young men ages 20 to 27 during the eight-week program. Investigators randomly assigned subjects to a control group of traditional resistance training consisting of three sets of six exercises performed four times per week. Experimental group participants trained with the same duration and frequency, but with randomly chosen exercises for the upper and lower body and the posterior chain. Researchers assessed intrinsic motivation, body composition, muscle thickness, and dynamic strength. Data analysis showed that the variable training group members had a significant, moderate improvement in intrinsic motivation to training while the control group showed a non-significant decrease in motivation. No significant differences were noted between groups with respect to muscular adaptations. Study authors suggest that regularly changing exercise selection may help improve adherence to resistance training for those who lack motivation. Article 8. Is the glass half full? One's outlook and attitude on life may have a significant impact on heart health. Optimism is linked with a lower risk of cardiovascular events and a longer life, while pessimism is linked with a higher risk of heart disease. Findings are based on a meta-analysis of 15 studies with more than 229,000 subjects. Optimism is commonly defined as the belief that good things will happen in the future and is associated with more effective goal-setting, problem-solving, and coping skills. 
Future studies may seek to better define the biobehavioral mechanisms that underpin this association and evaluate whether or not there are benefits to providing interventions that promote optimism or reduce pessimism. Fitness professionals can support their clients and participants by modeling a positive attitude and learning behavior change tools and techniques via professional coaching programs and certifications. The study is available in JAMA Network Open. For ideas on how to train with more positivity, see Training Happy in the January-February 2020 issue of Fitness Journal. Article 9, Aerobic Fitness and Brain Health. Many studies have shown a relationship between higher levels of aerobic fitness and healthy cognitive functioning. New research suggests that a mechanism underlying this association may be from an increase in gray matter volume, total brain volume, and specific increases in both gray and white matter in certain parts of the brain. Researchers at the University of Greifswald found that evidence of high levels of cardiorespiratory fitness based on three measures, ventilatory threshold, VO2 max, and maximal work capacity, were consistent with findings of increased brain volume. In particular, areas of the prefrontal cortex, like the hippocampus, that play a role in memory and in stress regulation, have more gray matter among individuals with demonstrably high levels of aerobic fitness. Findings are based on a data review from more than 2,100 adults ages 21 to 84. Study authors concluded that higher cardiorespiratory fitness is associated with larger brain volumes in several brain regions that are not primarily connected to motor-related functions. Older people seem to have a stronger benefit in the memory-sensitive hippocampal region. Researchers, however, cannot rule out that people with greater brain volumes may have higher cardiorespiratory fitness. In other words, cause and effect is not yet proven. More research is recommended. The study is published in Mayo Clinic Proceedings. Article 10, America's Weight Status. By 2030, approximately half of the U.S. adult population will be obese, and a quarter will have severe obesity. This stark statement about a troubling trend comes from a study available in the New England Journal of Medicine and is based on BMI data from more than 6.2 million adults who participated in surveys between 1993 and 94 and 1999 and 2016. Harvard University researchers analyzed the data that showed that several states are likely to have an obesity rate of 60%, while the lowest rates among states will approach 40%. Researchers predict severe obesity will likely be most common among women, non-Hispanic Black adults, and those with annual incomes below $50,000 per year. Article 11, High-Quality Evidence for the Benefits of Tai Chi. If you're serving clients with chronic conditions and you're not offering Tai Chi practice, you may want to network with a local practitioner to refer clients for cross-training benefits. Tai Chi is a proven safe, effective, and enjoyable training method for overall health improvement for adults with numerous chronic conditions, says a review of 42 studies reported in disability and rehabilitation. High and moderate quality evidence supports that Tai Chi practice can significantly benefit 
adults with conditions such as heart disease, cancers, depression, lower back pain, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and stroke. Benefits include significant improvements in activities of daily living, balance, exercise capacity, gait, mental health, mobility, motor function, physical function, quality of life, range of motion, and strength. Outcomes also comprise significant reductions in blood pressure, body mass index, depression, disability, dyspnea, falls, fatigue, pain, stiffness, and waist circumference. Article 12. Consider prehab services as a potential revenue stream in your business. Article 12. Consider prehab services as a potential revenue stream in your business. This relates to our question of the month, which I will read at the end of the article. Prehabilitation, or prehab as it's frequently called, turns out to be a good investment of both time and money. And fitness pros are uniquely positioned to be able to offer the service, encouraging patients to move more, eat healthier, cut back on tobacco, breathe deeper, reduce stress, and focus on their goals for after the operation. A University of Michigan follow-up study published in the Journal of the American College of Surgeons confirmed that a prehab program reduced total medical costs related to patient care. Prehab also reduced hospital stays when compared with patients who received similar surgical procedures without participation in a prehab program. Every time prehab has been studied, it's found to increase the value of surgical care by improving care while reducing cost. This study cements the business case for hospitals to support it, said Principal Investigator Michael J. Englesby, MD, University of Michigan Department of Surgery. Many of the prehab programs at hospitals that participated in the study ended or were scaled back when the study ended, but study authors recommend that insurers and hospitals adopt programs. In the meantime, This evidentiary support for prehab programs substantiates an opportunity for fitness pros who want to provide this proven beneficial service to clients who are facing surgery. Are you or any of your trainers at your facility offering prehab conditioning programs? For example, are there educational materials to let clients know that if they're facing surgery, training before their procedure may enhance their recovery? Have you partnered with any healthcare providers? If yes, how are you reaching clients and what has been their feedback or feedback from their healthcare providers? Please share your success stories. We want to hear from you. Email executive editor Joy Keller at jkeller, K-E-L-L-E-R, at ideafit.com. That concludes the readings for headlines. Many thanks to author and contributing editor Shirley Archer for her research and writing. Next up, I will read 14 articles from our Food for Thought news section that were researched by our colleague Matthew Cady, a registered dietitian and cookbook author who also is a James Beard award-winning journalist. These articles were originally published in the June 2020 Sprint edition of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. 
Article 1. Top Strategies for Maintaining Weight Loss Losing weight is one thing, but for many people, keeping it off long-term is the true battle. Thankfully, researchers at California Polytechnic State University have pinpointed some of the most important elements of the weight loss maintenance equation. The scientists surveyed 4,786 people who were able to maintain a weight loss of greater than 9.1 kilograms, or about 20 pounds, for more than three years. Responses indicated that building healthy dietary, self-monitoring, and psychological coping strategies were key to siphoning off weight and keeping it at bay. This could mean implementing certain behavioral and mental tactics, such as setting a goal to include more vegetables at lunch, tracking what you eat daily with a food diary, and making a habit of using more positive self-talk, even when faced with setbacks like small amounts of weight gain. The survey also showed that these eating and thinking behaviors became less onerous to follow and more automatic over time, making it easier to defy the odds of keeping the pounds off. Article 2. Extra servings of fruits and veggies could calm us down. Feeling anxious during these troubled times? Perhaps tossing more berries on your cereal and eating an extra serving of spinach could bring more calm to your life. An investigation using data from the Canadian Longitudinal Study on Aging linked eating less than three sources of fruits and vegetables daily to a 24% higher risk of anxiety disorder among nearly 27,000 men and women ages 45 to 65. Possible reasons include the role that fruits and veggies play in our microbiome and how this affects the gut-brain axis. People who eat more produce daily are also less likely to be overweight. The study also found that as total body fat increased, so did the risk of being anxious. Moreover, the arsenal of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants in colorful fruits and vegetables can help support a healthy immune system, which is top of mind for many people. The study was printed in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Article 3. Grocery shopping from home can undermine healthy eating goals. With more people than ever trading in the push cart for a virtual one, it's concerning to learn that marketing and promotions of online grocery platforms are flaunting less than stellar choices. Consider an investigation from the nonprofit group Center for Science in the Public Interest, or CSPI. In evaluating a variety of major retailers, the CSPI found that 51% of food and beverage promotions were for unhealthy products, and 58% of products appearing prominently in search results were nutritional duds. Among email promotions, 76% were for unhealthy products. For instance, top search results for chicken on a company's website popped up info for chicken patties and nuggets rather than fresh chicken. Additionally, the CSPI found that retailers offered up heavier discounts for unhealthy foods and drinks than for healthy ones. The Health Watchdog Group examined promotional data and pricing from six national retailers in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Amazon Prime Now, Fresh Direct, Peapod, Safeway, Target, and Walmart Grocery. 
They focused on five staple foods, milk, bread, cereal, drinks, and chicken. Marketing and promotional dollars from large companies selling packaged foods via e-commerce will continue to be a vital revenue source for grocers. The CSPI is therefore urging, perhaps through federal regulation, an increase in online advertising dollars directed toward better-for-you items to support healthy diets. Many grocers offer suggestions and search results based on past purchase history, meaning that if customers are better educated to make healthy online buys from a particular retailer, they are more likely to see promotions for nutritious products pop up on their screens. Article 4. Are kids playing sports just to get their treats? Parents should think twice about hauling the Rice Krispie squares and Capri Sun pouches to soccer games. That's because a study hailing from Brigham Young University determined that the energy expended during youth sports play is often undermined by the snacks kids are typically given afterward. The investigation, published in the American Journal of Health Behavior, found that the average energy expenditure for third and fourth graders during games of soccer, flag football, baseball, and softball was 170 calories per game, while the average caloric intake from post-game snacks was 213 calories. Perhaps even more concerning is that the average amount of added sugar consumed post-game was a lofty 26.4 grams, more than the total daily recommendation for kids, which is 25 grams. As adults, we should be worried that the current state of post-game snacks could, over time, contribute to childhood overweight and obesity, problems that physical activity participation is trying to curb. Another concern is that, in a version of Pavlovian conditioning, many kids will associate sports play with receiving treats afterward, which doesn't do much for fostering healthy exercise and diet habits. It's perfectly acceptable for kids to sip or nibble on something after working up a sweat, but parents should be encouraged to offer up healthier, more calorie-controlled options like water and fresh fruit. Article 5. Eat Not, Waste More Back in 2011, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations released a much-quoted statement suggesting that up to one-third of all food produced for human consumption is wasted. Sadly, that estimate may be too conservative. An updated study in PLOS One, which took a closer look at consumer behavior in addition to the supply chain, found that food waste could be twice as high as previously thought reaching a staggering 527 calories per day per person. The report linked food waste to wealth, finding that when a person's spending, in total, not just on food, reaches about $6.70 per day, food waste begins to creep upward. On top of this, the rapid shift in the food supply chain from restaurant-based to retail-based during the COVID-19 pandemic hasn't been easy and has contributed to even more food waste. Farmers typically plan for their sales outlets months in advance, so when their markets closed, restaurants, for example, and farmers cannot keep all their workers, some crops end up rotting in the field. More home cooking can also lead to a greater tonnage of food scraps going in, into landfills. 
The PLOS One findings suggest that reducing waste globally requires reducing high waste levels in wealthier countries. That will mean taking steps to improve the supply chain and teaching people better kitchen habits like menu planning, so we buy only what we are going to use. Article 6. Start roughing it for cancer protection. Looks like we can add another disease to the list that dietary fiber can help tame. According to a study in the journal Cancer by investigators at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, pre- and postmenopausal women who had the highest intake of dietary fiber, both soluble and insoluble, also had an 8% lower risk of developing breast cancer, based on existing data from 20 observational studies. The mechanism could include everything from altering hormone levels to improving the microbiome, or it could simply be that high-fiber food, like legumes and vegetables, tend to be awash in cancer-fighting nutrients. Article 7. Athletes who play indoor sports are at risk for a bad vitamin defense. Spending all your time running on a treadmill instead of exercising in the great outdoors could place you at risk for a certain nutritional deficiency. That's the conclusion of a study published recently in Nutrients. Researchers tested vitamin D levels in 20 NCAA Division men and women basketball athletes at George Mason University, who typically exercised indoors. The scientists found that 65% of the players had poor vitamin D status at the beginning of the playing season, noting also that low levels were especially pronounced among African-American players. This deficiency can not only place people at greater risk for bone fractures, but also make it harder to hold on to lean body mass. A daily vitamin D supplement of 10,000 IU was enough to overcome insufficiency in most of the athletes by season's end. Future research would be wise to test athletes involved in other indoor-centric sports like hockey, or even people who glean most of their fitness at the gym. Beyond popping a pill, getting outside for exercise more often and filling one's diet with certain foods, like fatty fish, dairy, and eggs, can boost vitamin D levels. If you're concerned about a vitamin D deficiency, speak with your doctor about getting a blood test to determine whether supplementation is prudent. Article 8. Seeing is Believing. Exciting new research may provide food producers with an idea of how they could change the surface texture of their products to alter consumers' perceptions of them and encourage healthier eating. In a study published in Food Quality and Preference, British psychologists provided 88 people with six different oat cookies and asked participants to rate them on healthiness, tastiness, crunchiness, chewiness, pleasantness, and likelihood of purchase based only on visual appearance, not on taste or touch. The research revealed that surface texture affected perceptions of how healthy the cookies were. People viewed the ones with a pronounced texture as being better for them and ranked those with a less explicitly textured surface as tastier and more likely to be purchased. Perceived tastiness increased as healthiness decreased, and the likelihood of purchasing a cookie increased when perceived healthiness was low and dropped when healthiness was higher. The upshot was that having a healthy-looking texture was considered to be a negative attribute 
and that it reduced perceived tastiness, a key criterion for someone wanting to buy an item. The study authors said these findings could help food manufacturers design foods in ways that might encourage consumers to make healthier choices. For instance, food producers could apply non-healthy-looking smoother textures to healthier foods to overcome the perception that healthy is not tasty. Article 9. The Reign of Whole Grain When it comes to carbohydrates, we appear to have more proof that quality matters more than quantity. To assess the impact that the Carbohydrate Quality Index, or CQI, has on heart health, Spanish researchers collected dietary intake data from close to 5,400 adults, ages 55 to 75, involved in a lifestyle weight loss program. All subjects were overweight or had obesity. The researchers tracked six- and 12-month changes in CQI, such as increases in dietary fiber intake and the ratio of whole grain to total grain consumption. They also measured markers that play a role in cardiovascular health, for example, blood pressure and blood cholesterol. In the end, most people improved their CQI by eating more high-quality carbs, substituting lesser-quality options like refined cereals and sugar-sweetened drinks with healthier options like whole grains, fruits, and legumes, without necessarily eating fewer carbs overall. With these changes, a wide range of health measures associated with heart disease improved, including waist circumference, triglyceride levels, and fasting blood sugar. Article 10. Dieting Your Way Into the Lonely Hearts Club In this day and age of specialized diets, it seems that all sorts of foods are being shunned. But when you're unwilling or unable to break bread, it can set you up for feeling left out. That's according to several Cornell University studies which found that when adults and children with diet restrictions due to allergies, health concerns, or religious norms, can't share in the joy of what family or friends are eating, they are more likely to feel stricken with a sense of loneliness. In one experiment published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, individuals with no dietary restriction were assigned to a food-restricted eating plan. While they were on this plan, they reported greater feelings of loneliness than when they could eat what everybody else at the table was eating. In another instance, a survey of observers of the Jewish holiday of Passover revealed that participants' sense of loneliness was elevated when they were reminded of the leavened foods that were off-limits during the holiday. This all makes sense when you consider that mealtime can be an opportunity for bonding and is inherently a social experience. So watching others enjoy eating what you can't have could leave people feeling that they are not wholly included in the group. They may even start to believe that they are being judged. Article 11. Galaxy Greens. If Elon Musk's dream of sending people to Mars comes to fruition, then he can rest easy knowing it will be possible for passengers to eat nutritious salads. A NASA-sponsored study in Frontiers in Plant Science found that lettuce grown on the International Space Station in what they call veggie plant growth chambers retain most of its nutritional value, including its antioxidant levels. Also, the lettuce leaves didn't contain any potentially harmful bacteria. So it might be wise for Mars-bound missions to bring along a green thumb and a case of bottled salad dressing. <laughs>
Article 12. Question of the month. Is the party over for drinking alcohol? A trio of recent research papers continue to spill the truth about drinking and our health, while tossing shade at the idea of the French paradox. A catchy phrase researchers came up with in the early 90s to explain how sipping generous amounts of Bordeaux could allow a population to indulge in buttery croissant but still have fabulous coronary health. For starters, an investigation in the January issue of Clinical Nutrition linked drinking an average of more than 30 milliliters of alcohol daily, which is a little over one ounce, with rising blood pressure numbers in men, raising the risk for heart ailments. More poo-pooing of booze comes from University College London, where researchers found that people aged 59 and over who'd been heavy drinkers for several years were at greater risk for larger waistlines, stroke, and worsening liver functioning. Heavy drinking could be just three to four drinks a day, four or more times a week. And here's more news that may make you pause before having a nightcap. Even light to moderate alcohol consumption of no more than one to two drinks per day may be associated with overall elevated cancer risk, according to a research in the journal Cancer conducted by scientists in Japan. Overall cancer risk among the 63,000 patients appeared to be lowest at zero alcohol consumption. Has recent research about the potential health risks associated with alcohol consumption changed your drinking habits? Do you still believe moderate intakes of wine and other alcoholic beverages pose little health risk? As part of an overall health program, do you address alcohol intake with clients? We want to hear your answers. Please send them to me at swebster, W-E-B-S-T-E-R, at ideafit.com. Article 13. Take the bitter with the sweet. Dumping packets of sugar in your morning coffee isn't just bad news for your waistline. It may also have a surprising impact on heart health. In a study of more than 5,900 individuals involved in the Framingham Heart Study, guzzling back more than 12 ounces of sugar-sweetened beverages like soda, sports drinks, and fruit-flavored drinks daily was associated with a 53% higher risk of having high triglyceride levels and a 98% higher likelihood of having low HDL cholesterol compared with drinking lesser amounts. Both of these blood lipid measures can be considered independent risk factors for heart disease. Consuming sugary beverages increases the amount of fructose that is available to the liver. That fructose can then be used to produce fatty acids and triglycerides, which can lead to a problematic lipid profile. This further drives home the value of emphasizing unsweetened drinks like water and tea at the expense of the sweet stuff. The study appeared in JAMA. Article 14. Recipe for Health. If you're looking for a delicious plant-based meal to put on the menu this week, try our recipe for health this month, tofu steaks with nut sauce. With the trend toward more plant-based eating, people are rediscovering the soy milk product known as tofu. That can be good news for the ticker. Eating one or more servings of tofu per week was associated with an 18% lower risk of coronary heart disease, including heart attacks among 210,700 U.S. men and women 
researchers reported in the journal Circulation. The researchers surmised that soy isoflavones in tofu could be a big reason. People who choose soy could be getting less of their protein from potentially less beneficial sources like red meat. These results, while promising, should be interpreted with some caution, since the study did not prove causality. Still, they make a good case for sizzling up these no-moo steaks. The recipe and ingredients can be found in the show link to the articles and on ideafit.com. That marks the end of the readings of Food for Thought. Many thanks to registered dietitian and subject matter expert Matthew Cady for his research and excellent writing of our popular food and nutrition news section. This also concludes the education in this episode of the Idea Listen and Learn CEC podcast. I'm so happy you joined me for this episode. I appreciate your attention and your dedication to being the best professional you can be. Quick reminder that this education has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. In order to claim the CEC, you will need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the Idea Store. The link is in the show notes. Use coupon code SPRINTJUNE20, that's S-P-R-I-N-T-J-U-N-E-2-0, to get 20% off this CEC quiz. And stay tuned. We have more exciting content that has been approved for CECs coming soon.